Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Autism, the podcast brought to you by me, Michelle Davey, and by my best friend, my good luck charm. Here she is, Christelle. Hi, good evening. How are you? Now, people might be listening to this in the morning or the evening, so what you just said there was incorrect. How many weeks have we been doing this? Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon. Right, Christelle, I'm excited because not only today... Are we doing the podcast, which always gets me very excited. But also, we have got a rock and roll star in the house. Rock and so, roll star, you say? Who could it yeah. be? Well, straight out of the JLS rock, we have got the king himself. We have got Aaron Smith, Elvis impersonator, speaking to us all the way from America this today. So we're jumping on a mystery train and going all the way to America? We are, Christelle. Now, some of you might have heard on our Instagram that we are doing a little competition this week. Now, rewind yourself back, because if you are the first person or drawn, we haven't decided we're going to do it yet. I probably, we'll probably draw it. <laughs> Actually, no, me and Christelle are not the best at organisation. But we're going to draw somebody's name who gets the correct amount of Elvis songs in this podcast, and they will win a fantastic book, hash some sort of prize that we've advertised on instagram i'm all over the place i'm all shook up because of the you know the trip to america <laughs> everyone everyone is definitely turned off now <laughs> but don't be cruel everyone yeah we uh we promise we will we'll keep calm don't yeah just don't but christelle i'm really excited to speak to aaron because he approached us he wants to talk about his career as an Elvis personator. And uh, yeah, I'm just really, really intrigued because my son really loves his music and really loves performing. So, you know, and I think a lot of people, do, the normal stereotype is that, you know, autistic adults and autistic children are shy and withdrawn and they can't make eye contact. So I'm really glad that Aaron's come on to expel this stereotype because that's what we like doing here on Let's Talk Autism in it, Christelle. We like to banish the stereotypes. Yes, it will be really good to hear from Aaron, especially because obviously he's doing something where it involves crowds of people, singing in front of crowds of people, being around a lot of people, loud music, you know, going against all the stereotypes. So I think this is going to be a very good conversation. I think a little less conversation even, Christelle. And let's get Aaron on. <laughs> I got it. You need it. <laughs> a little less conversation. A little more action, baby. Coming on, he's got his blue suede shoes on. It is Aaron Smith, all hey, the way Aaron. from Wisconsin. I am from Appleton, Wisconsin, USA. Now, Aaron, you contacted us because you wanted to come on and we are so yes. happy that you did. You are an Elvis impersonator, but right. also you are a man with autism. Yep. So we're going to rewind right the way back. So can you tell us a little bit about your diagnosis and your journey with autism? Sure, sure. Um, I was diagnosed around like 2000. I want to say like when I was eight or nine, I don't remember, but when I was like eight or nine and um, back then it was just so difficult because, you know, I would switch from medication to counselor to different medication to different counselor. Elementary school was probably, elementary and middle school were probably the roughest just because that you get that socially awkwardness, you know, you don't really fit in or have a place. A lot of, you know, my younger life was I would draw 
uh, cityscapes and I would, you know, be in my room listening to Elvis with my CD player playing video games, very isolated. Cause you know, I didn't, I guess I wasn't looked at as normal or, or, you know, the kids were like, he's kind of different. Like what's up with him. So, um, I didn't, I had on and off friends, but I never really had consistent, consistent friends up until I was probably 16 or 17. At that time I was in high school and I ended up switching from, you know, a normal public high school to a private all boys school. And it was four of three or four of us. And it was one teacher, um, wonderful teacher. Her name is Anne Heinrich. She ran a school called the Geminer Clinic here in the Appleton area. And, um, it was all kids with different learning disabilities, but it was individualized learning. For me, that worked well. I progressed in that because it wasn't standardized learning. So I finished out my my schooling in private school, didn't go to college, started a job right after, right after that. Growing up as a, as a teenager, the hardest I guess thing for my family was since my mom, my mom was was a very stubborn. Like she was a big advocate when it came to school meetings and pushing for certain things, which to, to me that that was amazing for a mother at the time to not only, you know, have someone with a with a disability, but someone um, I'm also gay. So you have the autism part and then you have the LGBT part. So it's like my dad was kind of like, well, great. This is another thing for them to, you know, hassle him about, you know you know, you have the autism and then you have the gay thing. And then, but my, my music teacher, Abby Schmidt, who I will say pushed me a lot because she was, she was big into the arts and she always found like a rockabilly sock hop fifties Elvisy type role for me in the plays. And I, I got an award and, you know, it was really nice, but I guess the hard thing for my parents was where is he going to go? What, you know, when it comes to job skills and job training and life skills, like my parents were big into like, no, he doesn't need a group home and no, he doesn't need this. Cause like he's higher functioning so he can do all these things, but how's it going to all play out? And there's, you know, there's, there was always that concern of like being the youngest, what's going to happen to him if something <laughs> were to happen to me. So there was a lot of therapy. I had a, a, a gal by the name of Tiffany Amit who would come in and do like time telling, you know, in the house. And it's like, I don't want to say summer tutoring because time and money and math were my struggles. I, I at times couldn't identify like different coins. I'd get them mixed up. So I had to work on that. But um, most people with autism, everyone's like, you know, like to be in a box like alone like isolated like they like to be by themselves I'm the complete opposite so I think that through a lot of the counselors and a lot of the psychologists through a loop because I like to be around people and most people don't I guess so they were like okay this is the complete opposite than what we were taught so I was very um extroverted versus being introverted and the bullying was the hardest. I'd say my first, maybe I want to say freshman, freshman year and, and middle school, that would be the hardest because, you know, of course kids don't understand. So that was, that was, that was difficult, but there wasn't such advocacy for it like it is now. So I get, you know, lockered, I would get everything you could possibly have happen happened. So, and that was, I'd say, I think that made me stronger in the end to, mm. 
to even in the music world to accept criticism better because I was getting criticism back then so now I can accept criticism more yeah. I just want to know how it works over there in the in the US of A um mm -hmm. in terms of getting your diagnosis what is the process and I just want to know specifically when were you diagnosed and what did autism mean to you when it was presented to you well I first over here you have to go through I want to say it's a Gosh, I can't even remember. I was so young, but you have to go through a couple doctors and tests and then they'll do like, I don't know if they do it by you, but where they have you, they'll sit you down for like an hour and you have to do like pictures, man, you know, the, these booklet things. And then like, like visualization wise, like you have to like solve puzzles and whatnot. And then it'll take like, I want to say a couple days for the doctor to do it. And there needs to be like a signed doctor's things saying this is what it is these are the medications we can try but the my first when I was first diagnosed I guess the hardest part was going to all these different counselors and psychologists mm. and feeling like I was getting like bounced around and you spoke about bullying I just want to touch on that a little sure, bit absolutely. um how did you get through it and what did you understand when people were bullying you what, what what was your thought process and you know obviously I know that bullying is horrible it makes people feel really low but how did you get through that and become the person you are today in the beginning at a young age it was you know okay this is shitty or I would like lock myself in my room or I would like isolate myself just because like that's what you do when it was 15 16 I I was at, in my teenage years, I was able to deal with it, but I was also frustrated at it because I was not a violent person that would beat the crap out of someone. I was not the person that'd be like, why don't we step outside? My dad was that type of person with parents, but the, you know, when he would find out like this, that, and the other thing, but I grew up in a very rural area. So I would have to say the hardest part of growing up because Appleton is a city is, is a bigger metropolitan area, but I grew up in Greenville, Wisconsin, which is kind of rural suburby country-ish if you will and the backwards thinking at that school just because it was so rural and so country was probably the most difficult part was was dealing with the bullying but then dealing with also the fact that I felt like I was by myself I didn't have I had a lot of female friends my mom and I would shop a lot on the weekends so that that distracted me from it I spent a lot of time with my with my family but it was very hard it was very hard. I, I really, it was difficult. It was difficult because I was trying to not only find myself, but realize, you know, why don't they like me type, yeah. type of thing. So that yeah, was difficult. It must, been, it must have been so difficult, but obviously we're so happy that you got through it. And obviously you are who you are today. Tell us a little bit, Aaron, because obviously you're here because you're an Elvis impersonator. So where did this start from? Where did Elvis come from? Big Elvis fans in the family? Like where did the... Elvis fandom begin I don't know I mean I know when I was like five or six years old my parents like sewn me a, a jumpsuit and had me sing to like a boombox which which was I guess adorable it was cute but I didn't want to be cute I wanted to be taken seriously so like I liked it then and I can remember liking Elvis from as early as six or seven I was a big Elvis fan I was also a big Whitney Houston fan I was also a big Aretha Franklin fan which Elvis and Sissy Houston, Whitney's mother, and Aretha Franklin sang and did backup. Sissy Houston did backup for Elvis, but that whole soul mixing of even him standing up for civil rights back then really kind of stuck me, especially when you'd watch him on stage. My thing was like, 
I like the seventies. So I would have to say professionally, I started doing it when I was about 19. Um, but I would do like little karaoke things here and there and little like bars and little onesie type thing. Like it took me a while before I actually had a decent wardrobe of stage wear. When did you realize that, hang on a minute, I'm quite good at this and I can make myself some money. <laughs> oh, that would, that would probably be uh, when I started entering these little Elvis tribute artist contests when I found out like, there's a world for this, you know, just like they have like Comic-Con conventions, they had um, El ultimate Elvis tribute artist contests and different little contests. So after talking to some other ETAs, Elvis tribute artists and being like, okay, so this isn't just like a, you dress up like this for Halloween. This is a thing. Like whether it's, you know, Whitney Houston in person, like the legends in concert people. Like I was like, this is so cool. About 2016, 2017, 2017 is when I went to Memphis, which was fantastic. So but around there, costumes are like $300, $400 a pop. So it was like, first I had to save up for the costumes and then the traveling. So Wow. So where are you at now in your career, Aaron? So like sort of, and obviously this year was going to be quite a lot different because I don't know where you are in in your state with covid and lockdown because we're on full lockdown at the moment christelle is in the ghetto i haven't literally left my apartment or left my like i've left to go to the store and stuff but like i haven't i guess put the get up on put the put the suit on put the stage wear on gotten that you know mojo probably since last year i bet you feel like going down the shop in the in the whole get up the white suit didn't you <laughs> it makes me feel like the person who's going to tailor my outfit is going to be mad at the amount of weight I gain. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It's lockdown, Aaron. We're, we're all at that stage. Trust me. <laughs> I'm going to go from like 69, 72 thin, sexy sex symbol to like fat Elvis eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite Elvis song to sing? Oh, gosh. That would have to be Suspicious Minds. I like doing all the karate and I, I, I portray probably like 69 to 72 era, the Vegas stuff. And Suspicious Minds would have to be my go-to, even though, although at a lot of the contests, it's like they have limits on songs you can do because it's like you don't want to hear 85 versions of Suspicious Minds from five different guys. But Suspicious Minds would have to be my, my number one, my bodyguard and best friend, Sebastian. He's into a lot of the rap, the modern music, but... Whoa, 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 whoa Aaron, rewind. Your bodyguard. So yeah, you're a yeah. big, you're a big, you're a big deal, aren't you? How famous are you? Why haven't, big, but... why haven't I got a bodyguard? I'm not that big, but when you're like kissing random women and their husbands are in the audience, that just doesn't usually go over the greatest. So <laughs> I didn't start out with someone traveling with me, but he was a, he's been a friend of mine for for years um he's actually he moved to the u.s from from poland but he's got a decent build to him so i'm not too concerned having him not only as a good friend helped because you know you get people that when people get famous they mooch off of you they're like what can i get out of, you know coattails type thing and it, he's he knew me long he knew the autism he knew the gay thing he knew the elvis thing so i he's very i guess trustworthy i would i would rather have him in my corner than pay someone to do security for me and does that yeah, help aaron like 
with having a close friend with you, uh, especially with the autism. And, and it's good to have like a companion and someone who really knows you and really understands you so that if there are any any tricky moments, he'll kind of know when, okay, like this is going to make you feel uncomfortable or might be something you're not very, you know, you're not very happy with. Yeah, it, it helps because he can sort of read me at times, even if like, I guess I'm getting nervous and I'm in front of someone, he's kind of the person that's like, hey, you know, do you need a drink of water? Do you need this? Or like, we'll, we'll usually get our rooms together because after the show's done, we can be sitting there in like our boxer shorts or our, you know, basketball shorts and a tank top playing Xbox. You know, when it, when it comes to the, I can let that down, that, that persona down and, and be, two guys in their 20s playing xbox or whatever what does elvis mean to you the king of music the man could sing anything the man could sing anything and be great at it he was just wonderful i mean i think the guy is generous and he's just a king of music i mean my three music inspirations would have to be elvis harry styles and whitney houston oh that's great good speaking to you aaron honestly we could speak to you forever you guys are wonderful really it's been an honor and like i said i when it comes to age you guys don't look a day over 25 so (laughs) thank you very much baby (laughs) thank you so much aaron it has been wonderful having you on and we wish you all the best and once you're up and rolling and touring again then fly me and christelle out and we'll do a live interview of you there (laughs) that would be wonderful i'll have to have you guys out in las vegas we'll we'll have some fun thanks so much aaron thank you thank you so much guys it's been an honor really Still, that was so good. I absolutely loved that talking to Aaron. What a wonderful, wonderful guy. He was just so lovely, weren't he? Yeah, just a really nice guy, really easy to speak to, and a lot of fun to be around, isn't he, Mish? I just couldn't help falling in love with him, Christelle. And it really was such such a lovely chat. And to speak to someone from the other side of the world as well. So amazing. And you know, to all have this united thing to raise awareness for autism and I just loved hearing his journey and how he's become so successful in his career as an Elvis impersonator yeah I just love all the places that he's taken him to yeah he's getting out of it all you know and the fact that he travels with his bodyguard who is basically a very good friend of his as well like just sounds like an amazing you know journey that he's on right now and you know just killing all the stereotypes that are out there about autism so yeah go Aaron Smith oh just brilliant absolutely brilliant he is on Facebook you can find Aaron Smith there but how's things with you Christelle up on Blueberry Hill up there you lonesome tonight <laughs> what are you up to tonight you're trying to get another song in I'm, I'm like really can't... looking at, I'm looking at all the songs yeah nothing I'm just here just you know waiting for the day that I'll get to see you in person just so you can love me tender um you know I'll just be here with my love burning my love for you over the the internet Mish uh, but hunker, no, hunker, hunker, burning love. Yes. So I don't know. What have I been up to this week? It, you know, in lockdown, I find that <laughs> I forget what day it is. Um, I forget what time it is. So everything is kind of like a like a blur. A blur. Like a blur. Uh, but no, if, the weather's been terrible. Absolutely freezing. It's been freezing. It, what was it? Was it Storm Christopher that hit the other day? It was very windy here, Chris. Very windy, yeah. No, but apart from that, everything's fine. Homeschooling, I would say, is getting a little bit better. Are you uh, adapting? Yeah. 
I literally wake up, yeah, in the morning and I pray to God, please do not let me shatter my child when he does not know an equation. I beg of you, Lord, please let me be a good mother. Let me be a good teacher. And you know what? It went really well today. Then I had a little moment, had a little moment and I had to be humble. I had to apologize to my son and say, mommy is going to try and do better but very well done but yeah it's getting a little bit easier but it is quite hard honestly um i'm just thinking of all the parents out there i'm working part-time and that is hard i'm telling you having to go to work and obviously here we've made the decision that we're keeping our children at home even though they can be in school obviously because my middle child has sen and i'm a key worker but we're keeping them at home just because the case is here in my borough are so high there's no point of them going in because no three of them when one goes in it's like oh yeah mum um their bubble's gonna be closed because someone tested positive for for corona and then you have that child off for 10 days then the next child off the next week for 10 days and it's just ridiculous so we made a decision just to um keep them at home obviously my husband's working from home and the days that i go to work i'm literally like rushing home to try and relieve him so that he can continue with his work so you know we're trying to make the best out of the situation just waiting to see how it's all gonna unfold really but as you've said all the way through this we've just got to be thankful that you know at this moment in time that we are we are well and and just keeping each other safe and that sort of thing i can't wait for lockdown to be finished cause i really want to visit you down there in the countryside i know i know it's been too long christelle by that time i'll have my bodyguard sorted and um <laughs> yeah. hopefully hopefully i can meet up with you safely but one day we'll be back together it's now or never christelle it is time for us to wrap this up for another week i've had so much of a laugh this week it's been great talking to aaron been great talking to you as usual good night good morning good afternoon Ta-da! get out of here little hound dog